up, what up? What up, what up, what up? Today I'm going to talk about my life, do a little bit of um, autobiography. Um, yeah, just been on my mind. And I think it illustrates an interesting um, set of ideas and functions and, you know, other things. I was going to say lessons, but, you know, uh, I'm not being, I'm not trying to be a teacher. Definitely lessons, 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 snow cell, lessons. Okay, well, anyway, so when I was four, I had a moment of, I woke up to a new level of self-awareness. Um, I was sitting in the sandbox playing with some to- some toys, and I had this moment where I was looking down at my hands, and I sort of kind of like came, looked was looking at myself from above, from outside, like behind, like like three feet behind and above the back of my head. And I remember um, realizing, here I am sitting here playing with these trucks and I was having this sort of like, um, this imaginary scenario going on where I was, there were these, um, there's these guys in the trucks and they were, you know, they were doing their thing. They were, they had characteristics and, uh, and motives and, um, you know, just a scene that is, that I was creating in, in playing with them. And I just remember kind of zooming out of my body and, um, remembering, sorry, I'm, wow, I am, uh, need to plug my phone in because it's about to die, but the, I just was, I remember, I remember realizing like that this was the same on any scale, it doesn't matter whether I'm in my sandbox, playing with these miniature, um, blocks and cars and stuff, or whether I was in the real world. I essentially, I essentially woke up to the reality of being creative and the idea of creating my reality consciously by choosing to do things and choosing to interact with things and just the awareness of like, I am me in my body, but I am, I mean, really what I'm saying is like, I woke up, I, 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 I've tried to talk about this without using, um, vocabulary that's super triggering or, um, off-putting to people. So that's why I am kind of being delicate about all this stuff, but 
because I want to get my message across. I don't really care. I, I want to I want to get my message across in a way that is as uh, communicable as possible. Uh, I don't want to imbue these things with vocabulary that um, connects them to other networks of belief, but it's tough to explain things that way because if I, I kind of just want to let myself go and, and kind of um, talk about this in the most lubricated way that I know how, but that involves all these spiritual terminologies that that do have ties to neural networks of other meaning that are not what I associate them with. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit of a tangent. But anyway, so that's my disclaimer. So I'm going to continue trying to ride that line, walk that line, and um, be the line as well. Oh, Jesus. That's not, that's not based. Anyway, so this happened when I was four years old. I have this distinct memory of realizing this. And then things changed for me after that. Now, this is something that is sort of funny because it's like, I was, yeah, I was four years old. So how do I know that things changed because of this realization? Right. Cause like I'm four. So essentially I don't really have many memories from being younger than that. And I also, um, well, I guess the, the interesting thing is the memories I have from being younger than that don't involve uh, people other than my parents. And I, yeah, wow, this is, there's, a, there's more here I want to talk about that's not really on subject with this, this theme. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's interesting how that talking and thinking about this stuff opens the doors to these memories. But anyway, I had this, this realization um, of knowing myself as the creator or knowing that self-awareness, the real thing I feel like this is, is like the self-awareness feedback loop and connecting consciously the entire cycle of that feedback loop is what allows humans to create things consciously and to see themselves um, in, in this, on this meta level that, that allows for all these things to to happen uh, in the world. Um, you know, it's like similar to the kind of acid LSD um, effect where the mirror of energy that is the way that things work is made is is made obvious and aware of um on a very yeah on a very like uh focused in in terms of lsd it's a very that's what it's all about you know it's very focused on that sort of psychological self-awareness uh feedback loop or cycle and being aware consciously of the entire, um, of every degree of that circle, cyclical cycle. But anyway, after this happened, I, 
most of my memories are of people man how do i even explain this so i guess i have this memory and then all my memories after that are of being fucked with by other people like shortly after this point i well i guess i think just to kind of inserts an awareness that i've developed later on kind of you know moving around in time here but i think that realization created this function in me which is a genuine thing and has caused i mean I, i'm sort of putting the the cart before the horse here but i'll just say like i think this realization caused me to interact with the world in a certain way that later on <clears throat> uh you know up until very recently has caused a lot of dysfunction and suffering in my life now i'm not saying yeah mm, so keep that in mind but i guess what what i feel happened when i had that realization is like now this wasn't necessarily a conscious thing. I think all I knew how to do was to I mean it certainly feels like like from that moment the only way that I really interacted with life was to have an open heart and be present in the sense where I would where I would where I would focus on being open to the possibilities of the present moment and tr- and keep my mind open to the widest expanse of possibilities that could happen and sort of just be a very open uh being always ready to give my heart to things and always ready to always like searching and opening and looking around for a possibility that um like not necessarily tuning into the possibility that was right there in front of me but like wondering what is the what is behind this or is there another level to this or is there some other you know octave of possibility here which is great and beautiful stuff but i mean yeah like right after this first memory i had when i must have been about four I think I, I think so. Um, maybe five. I don't know, but it was like right when I first started going to kindergarten or preschool, whichever one is first. I think kindergarten seems seems like kindergarten would be before preschool because <sighs> it's like you have preschool. If you have if preschool is before kindergarten, it's like. Um, Uh, hold on. Let me, let me think about this joke. This is a joke. Sorry. This is an ad. Hey everybody. This is, um, an ad for the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this interconnected information highway. Oh yeah. Yeah. Kindergarten coming after preschool. I mean, it's like I you go to preschool and you're thinking like this is right before when school starts. But then you go back to kindergarten. No, kindergarten must be before preschool. That's my funny joke. I'm a professional comedian. 
Give me money, please. Give me money, please. Okay, now that the ad is out of the way, um, basically, I had this realization, and then directly after this, all my memories are of, like, the, my next memory is being at recess at, at kindergarten and having this person say, hey, Colin, I want you to hit me. And I said, no. <laughs> and this person said, I want you to, no, no, you just hit me. Come on, please just hit me on the arm. And I said, no, I don't want to. They're like, no, you need, come on, you have to do it just for fun. Just, 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 it's just a, just as a joke. Just hit me on the arm. Um, please, 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 please. And I said, no, no, I don't really want to do it. And they said, no, please, come on, please just hit me. And so then I did like a little, um, you know, I, I, I basically tapped them on the arm. I felt weird about it. I didn't want to do it. And as soon as I like tapped them on the arm, they started screaming and crying and called the teacher over and told the teacher that I'd hit them. And then the teacher grabbed me by the, the upper arm and lifted me off the ground by my upper arm and took me inside. And uh, I remember my arm was sore for weeks and weeks and weeks after that. And this sort of thing continued to be my experience until uh like literally that continued to be my experience i have a, an unlimited i mean i have so many explicit memories of this exact thing happening whether it was people doing this you know people doing stuff similar to that or people you know i was always the one where i was bullied by every single clique in middle school and high school including all the teachers I was, you know, I just had this this thing. And now this is really interesting. I've obviously gone through a myriad of different relationships with, with this trauma. And um, a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact that my, well, I don't know about a lot of it, but it's, I mean, it, it's just interesting to think about how this would happen to me. And, and, and the, the real interesting part about that is like my my experience of this and my perspective of this was one where like literally all i know all i remember and this this stayed the same until um until like halfway through high school but my entire perspective of this was like just going along with life feeling the pain of all this stuff but not, I mean, I just felt like I only knew one way of how to exist, and that was to keep an open heart and be and stay present to all the possibilities. And because of that, that allowed, and you know, like I, I, I was so gullible, and I allow. I mean, you could say that I allowed myself to be fucked with, but it's just like. I would always try and assume, 
I would always be looking for the best possible situation. So whenever someone would offer a choice or an idea to me, I would always take a moment to like think about it and then try and tune into what the best possible situation was. And then I would in- start interacting with the situation and I would get fucked. I would get, you know, uh, just, just, um, people would do a lot of things like trick me into doing something that would hurt myself or trick me into doing something that would get me in trouble or be really embarrassing. And it was horrible, horribly painful, but I really had no information or awareness or understanding of how to be savvy to this. I mean, all I knew was to have an open heart and be and try and tune into all the possibilities of the moment, truly. And this was just so heightened of an experience from every single angle. I mean, you know, I think it was the fact that my mom was super overprotective and controlling of me, I think definitely added to that where I think a lot of my peers, their parents were annoyed with my mom and that probably trickled down to me. But I don't think that was the over, I mean, I don't think that was the entire cause of this. Um, Yeah, it's just such an interesting thing. Um, So then like midway through high school, this thing, this finally changed where I was finally able to somehow change my relationship with other people and metacognize myself through a lot. I mean, it felt so unnatural and it still, I, I had to do like, by the time I got into high school, by the time I got into junior year of high school, I finally was not being physically bullied anymore. Um, I was still being emotionally bullied and um, intellectually bullied and manipulated and, you know, made to, 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 you know, do all these hurtful, embarrassing things to myself because I didn't, I wasn't savvy, but I was at least not being physically bullied anymore. Um, and at that point I had to, I sort of, I, I, I was able to become successful, I guess. I mean, it's so, I mean, just that idea. I mean, it's obviously so wrong to think about things like that. Like thinking that it's successful, thinking about society in terms of, or popularity or having friends or whatever in terms of success or failure it's just like still just like obvious inside me that that it's not a it's not a real i mean it's not it's not right to think like that but anyway i was through all this very foreign and difficult uphill battle i was able to metacognize my relationship with other people in a way where I had enough information about, I guess, how other people think about themselves or work, whatever, 
I mean, now my perspective on this is different, and we'll get into that later, but I was able to, you know, f- f- make friends and and present myself to the cultural, societal groups of the high school in a way that worked, again, worked out for me. It's like, it's like we're forced to manipulate each other in a way that works out for us. But that's like a paradox because it's like if you're manipulating something that doesn't work out for anybody. That's not, that never works, that never results in things working out. And yet that's the way that this, that society seems to force everybody to be. What I'm saying is like, I was able to make friends and, and start presenting myself as an artist and start, you know, taking senior pictures for people and playing music and making videos and stuff like this. And this allowed people to, you know, I was able, this allowed me to be around people who were starting to be nicer to me and starting to put me on an equal playing field as them. I wasn't the outsider. I wasn't less than. And that was an interesting two years of junior and senior year of high school. Um, Because then I immediately... Um, I had viewed myself as an artist and had been interested, I, I guess just to backtrack a little bit, when I was, I think, five or six, I decided I wanted to be an actor. And from that that point onward, I was, that was my like sort of deepest identity was, was to be an actor. And so... Um, as I was experiencing being um, societally integrated during the last two years of high school, I was I was also very feeling like you know I'm in a tiny town. I I am so bored by all these people, even though they are my friends. I I don't really you know I feel very limited, and I'm very excited to get out of this little town and go be myself and be in a larger environment, a larger ecosystem. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll eventually come back to my current feelings about what I was talking about a few minutes ago, about my early childhood, but I'm just going to go through my whole life. I'm just going to tell a brief autobiography of my life up until the present. Um, so I, the day that I graduated high school, I went to the big city and, which was Denver, Colorado, which was six hours away from where I grew up. I went to live with my grandmother and I got a job downtown as a dishwasher and I started taking acting classes and then a few months into that, I realized I missed my friends. So I came back for the second half of the summer and things were looking good. 
I was doing very well in the acting class. I had a lot of charisma. I had a lot of, you know, uh, a, a huge sensitivity and intelligence or in, in the emotional realms. And, um, yeah, so then I came back for the second half of the summer, hung out with my friends. Um, then I went to college in the fall. I went to this college that my mom had sort of chosen for me, um, which is a Christian school. My mom is not necessarily Christian, but she she chose this for me. I mean, I was sort of like, well, I don't really know. I don't really understand all this stuff, you know. I want to... I I was I was I was up for going to college. Um and yeah, I mean, looking back it just seems so crazy that I would have allowed myself to go to a Christian school, but again, it was like I I had no I had no idea about whatever people think this world is or whatever people think themselves to be or or any of this stuff. I really I mean, and this is the feeling that I, I'm, uh, this is, I guess, again, to kind of jump around in time again, in the current moment, this is the lesson I'm finally learning. I'm 27, and I feel like I'm finally, my eyes are open to the reality of what people think themselves to be after just an entire lifetime of feeling betrayed, misused, sabotaged, manipulated, because I just I didn't expect people, I always expected people to do what's right for everybody. I mean, I guess like this is, this brings up an interesting point where during those high school years in, in line with being an actor, I obviously watched movies and, you know, listen to directors and actors talk but I really found the most life energy and inspiration and truth in improvised comedy specifically the improvised long form improvised comedy this is an interesting thing where long form and short form comedy the long form and short form improv are basically the on the exact opposite end of the spectrum of of groundedness and truth and subtlety. So just keep that in mind if you're not like, if you're sort of new to that idea. But anyway, this long form improv that was coming out of this, this place called the Upright Citizens Brigade, that's something that had a profound impact on me. And, and one of, there's a few like main tenets, main rules about this style of comedy that I adopted into the core of my philosophy and being and ways of interacting with people. And, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but I'll get back to, to the, to the college years. Anyway, one of these rules is to, and again, like this, this has parallels with a lot of spiritual and philosophical ideas as well, which I also was, you know, 
aware of and and um, interested in and, and sort of um, implementing into my life and whatnot. But but the the main tenets of law of this improv are to say yes and essentially, which is to continue the flow of energy. You don't want to shut things down by saying no. You want to, you can still add whatever, you know, you can still add or, or addendum what's going on by, by saying yes and, and then saying whatever you want to say, but you don't want to shut down the energy. You don't want to say no right away. Um, and then the, the other one was to play at the height of your intelligence, which is to not play dumb. You know, um, and that's an interesting paradox where my implementation of that law, I think, in a, from a lot of perspectives, caused me to to play dumb. But but I guess my point is like every interaction I would have, I would I would be looking for the joke. I would be looking for the most interesting possibility to come out of that, and I would be blindsided by the reality of whatever person I was interacting with, you know, where I would just constantly be taken advantage of and, and hurt by be, letting myself be open and vulnerable to, to, to people and not having any defense mechanisms and just having no awareness for the, the seemingly endless amount of trauma-based toxicity and abuse that almost everyone in my life, in my real life uh, environment has expressed. But anyway, I went to college and I, first of all, (laughs) Girls and guys were not were only allowed in each other's dorm. The the girls and guys dorms were separate buildings, and there was three hours between one and four p.m. where girls could go into the guys' dorms and the guys could go into the girls' dorms. You couldn't go into anyone's room. You could only go into the foyers, and so, as you might imagine, there was nothing there in the school for me. <laughs> um. But also, um, I went on a music scholarship, and I was trying to double major in acting and film. And so I had all these musical requirements on top of my normal uh, uh, classes, and I was trying to double major, so I was taking a lot of credits. And this was a liberal arts school. And all of the AP classes I had taken in high school, I had, I had essentially done junior, freshman, sophomore, and junior year of college during high school in terms of credits from uh, advanced cl- placement classes. All of those did not transfer to this college I was going through. Again, why did I choose this? I did not choose this. I was, my mom chose this for me. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you can tell in my speaking of this just by the time frame of the stuff that my cynicism about humanity is starting to be integrated in me in terms of my reflexive memory of this stuff and how I'm starting to see it as more crazy that I didn't, that I didn't realize this then. 
I think that's evidence of the fact that at that point when that was happening, I, I had started to build up that, that cynicism. Um, yeah, that's, you can think about that for a minute. It's an interesting thing to think about. But, um, um, yeah, so that was shit um, from the beginning. But on September 23rd of 2012, when I had been in college for a couple of months, or three weeks, actually, I smoked marijuana, cannabis, for the first time in my life. And I was in the forest of the Pacific Northwest, and I was with a couple friends, and I smoked this, and I looked down at my hand, and there was a tiny, tiny little flea on my hand, and my vision started... um, Oh, what's the word? Not stuttering, but um, like the 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 thing where where the an aperture on a lens is being opened and all the flaps of the of the lens are articulating back. That was happening to my vision. I looked at this little bug and I just had the most beautiful um, realization of the fact that I uh, there's no difference between this bug and me. We're all the same thing. And we, I had that little realization that was like very amazing, profound. And then the rest of the night and the rest of the time was just joyous and full of running around in the forest and laughing with my friends. And we were a few hours from the the college and late that night we were driving back home we were all very hungry, and we stopped at this gas station. This was about m- like midnight or maybe eleven. Uh, it was it was sometime late at night where the gas station was about to close, and we went in, and we were so hungry, and there were these things that were on these rotating heating pads. They're like hot dogs and chicken nuggets, and potato fries and stuff. And we, the gas station worker was, said we could have all the, the, the stuff that was left for a lump sum. And so we got all this food and we got back in the car and we were eating. And I was eating these chicken nuggets. And I remember eating one of them, which tasted off, did not taste good. And I was so hungry and I was eating so fast that I just continued eating it and I swallowed it. And the next day, I woke up and from a deep sleep and I was planning on going to the coast with some more of my friends because it was a Saturday. And I woke up and... I got in the shower because I had to leave real quick and I got in the shower and I felt terrible. I felt so weak and nauseous and sick. And 
I was just sitting in the shower. I could barely make myself get out of the shower, but I wanted to go to the coast so bad. There was this girl that I had ju just started um, having a, a relationship of some kind with, and I wanted to spend time with her. And so I, I went. I made myself get up out of the shower and I went into the car and I spent the whole ride. I just felt so, I felt like I was in a, a hazy dream. I felt so much like I was in a dream, but also so nauseous and so toxic, so sick. Um, and I just felt, yeah, I felt, I felt incapable of thinking. I just felt like all of my resources were, were drained. I felt sick. I wound up like spending most of the time just lying in the car of the person who had driven us all to the beach. Um, yeah, and then from that point on, man, this is going to be, this is what, like 40 minutes already or something? From that point on, I started this is this is where things start to get really interesting um, and I might I'm thinking break this up into multiple episodes because well I guess I, yeah I'll just I need to make sure that I communicate some th things about this period of time so from that moment on I felt really sick, and then the next day I felt better. But there was this sort of haze, this sort of... This, yeah, this feeling that I wasn't fully there. I wasn't fully, I didn't fully have my, all of my, all of my health and, and strength and capacity. But I didn't really think much of it, you know. It was just like a very subtle thing where it was like, mm, I have like maybe like 95% of the energy that I would normally have. And I was so excited about smoking weed and marijuana and being stoned. And I, over the next few weeks, we, me and this other little group of people, the, the, the few people, there's probably... I don't know, 12 people who smoked weed. Well, uh, out of all the people that that I knew at the college at the time, there's just like this little group of freshmen who who were not um, fundamentalist Christians. <laughs> and yeah, well, I, I, I just, I remember having amazing adventures um, in nature with, with this great group of people and smoking weed and, and, and just having these amazing understandings of myself and, and energy and ego. And, and the, the piece of this that I want to share, the important aspect of this was this feeling of oneness, this feeling of like homeostasis of, of, um, expressing my true self fully with the people I was around. And there was these times 
where I would, you know, I would not be able to, like, I feel like I couldn't get a word in with everyone who was talking. And I would notice how I would feel this sort of, like, dissonance and disconnect between myself and the sense of homeostasis and oneness would, would go away where I would feel like I had, like, an internal self that was going through these processes, but it was different than my external self because I wasn't connecting my internal uh, thought process with what I was speaking because I couldn't get a word in or because um, that was mostly what it was. Like I felt like very naturally good at, at expressing myself. And, and whenever I was around like this certain smaller group of people, I was fully expressing myself and I would feel, I felt so just, everything was, I felt it was beautiful. I felt so perfect and, and beautiful and the, I could just feel the process of energy um, going through me, entering me and, and releasing through me and I would, you know, the vibe was amazing and, and we were, uh, everyone involved was having a fantastic, very high energy, High energy, not in terms of like, not high, I, I guess that has a weird connotation, but like lifted, very like uplifting energy. But then I would also notice these times where this like dissonance would happen. And I would, and I would realize like my ego is ups. I, I, I would feel this toxicity building in me of resentment and sadness and feeling alienated. Um, during these times where I felt like I couldn't express and connect my internal self with my body, through my body. And over the, over the rest of the, this first semester, I started slowly, slowly losing strength. I started feeling more tired, more sick. Um, I started, I had, I started, I mean, I guess from this day, something I forgot to mention after this first time of smoking weed and, and eating those those chicken nuggets, I like woke up. I, I remember thinking like I'm eating all these chicken nuggets. I can't wait to like take a big shit tomorrow morning and then go to the beach. And I remember when I woke up, I couldn't shit. And that was like this, this very deeply rooted psychological discomfort of feeling sick and feeling toxic and then feeling like I couldn't shit. And that, and that was like the beginning of this, this thing. And then, and, and that started building, um, for the rest of the semester to the point where by Thanksgiving, you know, September, October, November, a couple of six weeks later or so, I was not going to classes. I was, I was just staying in bed I had, I had this thing where I felt like there was toxins inside of me and I couldn't shit them out. I couldn't have a good shit. I couldn't clean, cl cleanse myself and regenerate my energy. And as you maybe can imagine, that was very, very scary and uncomfortable and draining psychologically and just a very very 
bad feeling. Um, and I was like taking laxatives and drinking laxative tea and trying to eat well. And, but then eating at this cafeteria at the school and it just being like eating oatmeal every morning because it was really the only thing that I could, that was there for breakfast and then feeling like that just made everything worse. And I was starting to like develop this neuro, neuro, neurosis, really just this anxiety about like not being able to shit and feeling like I'm never eating healthy enough or maybe there's, you know, starting to, and and, and st- starting to like try and not eat as much because I felt like this process was not be- being cycled through completely you know I was like very worried about like I'm eating stuff but I'm not shitting so that's really scary <laughs> maybe I should stop eating which I mean I know now is not helpful but um you know so on Thanksgiving, I take a trip. I, this school was in Portland, Oregon. And on Thanksgiving, I went, uh, I took a train to Seattle to see my cousin. And I remember having a complete, I, I remember like I ate a little pastry and I had some coffee in the morning and I went and took the train, and on the train, I was feeling pretty good. But throughout the rest of the day, I just started feeling immense, immense anxiety. Like, I've, and, and physically very weak. And I wound up going to the emergency room in Seattle. Um, because I was like, I, I've, I don't know what's going on with me. This stuff has been happening, and now I'm in this this apex point of the stuff that's been building up over the last like t- two months or six weeks or whatever. And I go to the emergency room in Seattle, the one that is by or maybe a part of the University of Washington. And I just. I don't remember what I told them, but I just was sitting in the waiting room for a long time. This was like getting to be quite late at night. And then I finally got checked in and I was telling them like, I haven't been able to shit. I feel like I I have like, there's something in me that should not be in me. And... Um... what do I do? And, and I was in this emergency room and I just remember there's somebody in there who was just screaming, 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 screaming for hours and hours, like, you know, huge screams every few seconds for hours and hours and hours. And I was just sitting there in this room waiting for someone to come see me. And eventually someone came and I was like telling them this and they put their hands on my stomach and they said, you're fine. I, there's nothing I can do. There's, I mean, there's nothing I can do. That's what they said. Uh, and so then I left and I remember I left 
This was probably like 11 or 12 at night. And I suddenly had this burst of, of energy and confidence and homeostasis with myself. And I felt great. I, and I walked down through the city and there's all of these parties going on. And I was just remember feeling like, I feel fantastic. Um, and later on, I, I sort of felt like I had just had a very long, big day and I had eaten absolutely nothing except for a small pastry. And maybe that's why. But now I have a much more, I mean, all of this stuff I'm talking about now, I will, I have very developed perceptions about at this point, which I will share. But um, that is, that's, that, that is my life from ages zero till uh, 18. I just turned 18 at the point of that last story. I'm going to take a little break here. Um, and yeah, I, I'll continue the rest in part two of this condensed autobiography. Thanks for listening. Um, peace. Peace out. Fuck, that's not based. Fuck, that's not based. Fuck, that's not based.